1: Any time during my 10 years, I could do this. Na 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 That's power. That's power. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Comes down to Hartman's foot. Here's the snap. The ball is down. The kick is up. And it good! gone! Wolfpack wins.
2: It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds Podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks, welcome to the Riddick and Reynolds Podcast. We are happy that uh, you guys are listening to us again uh, for another week, and uh, we thank the folks who are here at Amedeo's for their support. Uh, we welcome you to come on down to Amedeo's and hang out with us while we do the show. It's a lot of fun, and we enjoy uh, meeting new folks, and uh, we would like to uh, you know, extend our our hand of thanks and appreciation for you listening uh, over the years. I was um, kind of taking stock of uh, the show, and uh, still it's kind of hard to believe that we started doing this thing back in 2011. Uh, it's our fifth year of doing it. So, um, you know, we uh, we really do appreciate everybody that's listened over the years, and uh, we, of course, thank the folks at medias for all of their support during those five years. And um uh, want to remind you that, uh, you know, of course, there are so many good things that uh, you can take advantage of, uh, discount wise, if you are a student, you've got plenty of great options for student discounts. On uh, Tuesdays, you can get half off your entree by showing your student ID and then get, uh, 15% off your whole, whole bill the, uh, rest of the week using your student ID. Um, you know, if there's a, a game coming on, uh, you know, that you, uh, you know, we don't have any more, uh, basketball games, unfortunately, but, uh, if there's, uh, a game where they're showing it here at a medios, you can catch the game. Uh, And, you know, enjoy discounts as well for that. Um, You know, just a a tremendous amount of uh, things that uh, the folks here at Emedeos offer to you as a state fan uh, that we hope that you will take advantage of. Uh, Do mention that you uh, heard it on the podcast and that you're here because of that because it always helps us out and, you know, makes us look good. And uh, so uh, we thank them for their support over the years. And I uh, hope that you will return that supporting kind to the folks here at um, uh Before we get going here, uh, also with it being April, I uh, wanted to remind you that uh, the uh, March of Dimes uh, RTP R- 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 walk is coming up on the 30th, and uh, I participate every year with my organization. And uh, if you have been, you know, considering supporting the show in some way over the years, uh, you know, uh, Taking uh, you know uh, some time out of your day to uh, hop over to my March of Dimes site for the walk uh, at march4babies.org/jamescurl. Uh, just you know we're about halfway to my goal for this year already, which is wonderful. Uh, I appreciate everybody who has uh, been so kind to this point to uh, support uh, us and the show, and uh, you know you're doing it obviously in support of the work that they do supporting premature. Um, babies and and the complications that a lot of folks have with pregnancies. Um, If you're not familiar, my wife and I lost our first child to premature birth. And uh, so the work that they do uh, means a lot to us. And uh, we were able to, because of the work that the March of Dimes does, figure out what we needed to do to have three more healthy babies. And uh, we couldn't have done it without them, and they couldn't have done it without your support. So Again, if you're feeling called to, um, you know, support uh, either the March of Dimes or or the show uh, and have enjoyed the content over the years, uh, head to slash my name, James Curl, and you can find places there that you can donate. Anything that you can would be wonderful and appreciated and uh, would uh, mean a lot to me and my wife as we uh, try to do everything that we can to support the March of Dimes and their mission. So thank you in advance if you uh, feel called to do that. and. Uh, you know, again, we appreciate all the support that everyone has already given us to this point. Um, Matt Purdy is with us this week. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, James. Good to see you again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a, another guest with us this week. Uh, Alec Lower is with us uh, also. Alec, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad you could make it. Uh, you, uh, if you're someone who frequents the site backingthepack.com, uh, which is the best uh, blog for covering NC State sports, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you have probably read a thing or two that Alec has posted there. Uh, he's uh, a current student at State and uh, does a great job of covering a number of sports. I don't know if you have a specific beat that Stephen has assigned you there at uh, Backing the Pack. Is there something that you specialize with uh, the site there? That y- well, in the uh, is uh, end of
0: year post, I was the official NC State sports tragedy correspondent. <laughs> but... Um I pretty much just write about whatever I want most of the time. I do a lot of basketball recruiting stuff, uh-huh. some football stuff too, basically uh, things that a student could attend but some uh, outsider couldn't.
2: Right. Do some of that. Yeah, the the things that if you just so happen to be the father of three that uh, you may not be able to attend, uh, you, you guys are there to uh, pick up the slack for us. Uh, we appreciate it. It allows us to uh, keep tabs on things and. Uh, you know, uh we're gonna talk a good bit about uh, you know, some of the stories that you have covered with Back in the Pack, uh maybe a little bit later on, perhaps in the second segment. Uh but one of the other things that Alec does which is really fascinating and it's something that I've wanted to cover over the years of doing this podcast and have never really had the opportunity to, uh there's a program on campus that uh is a three time national champion. Uh perhaps maybe not one that uh is the first to come to mind when you think of uh, NC State athletics, but it's one that uh, I know Uh, a lot of state fans have a fond place in their heart for uh and that's the nc state bass pack the uh fishing team uh you are a member of that squad and uh so we want to have you on and have a chance to kind of talk a little bit about this because you guys are now kind of getting into the swing of your season if i'm not mistaken uh i i have what feels like so many questions about how you found yourself to the team how it got started uh all of those things uh Uh, Maybe that is a good place to start How did the bass fishing team Get started in NC State Uh, Are you versed on the history of the program And and those sorts of things
0: Well it was around um, Way before When I was like 6 years old I think or (laughs) A long time ago so I don't really know much about how it actually Started but it was um, One of the first I believe And it's one of the most successful college bass fishing Teams in the country And it's uh, college bass fishing is one of the Fastest growing sports There is, so Uh it's pretty cool.
2: Well, I know that uh, Clemson has a team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, In fact, I got into a a little bit of a playful uh, one-upsmanship with the uh, the guys from Clemson, uh, Woody Whitehurst, who's a a favorite Clemson follow of mine. Uh, We were trading back and forth uh, bass fishing title stories or whatnot, Um, but... uh, but, yeah, I mean, are there any other ACC programs that you that have teams? That, does Virginia Tech have a squad, I think? Uh, I think they do, if I'm not mistaken. They should.
1: They're country enough for it.
2: <laughs> yeah, Virginia Tech has one. Uh,
0: Louisville has one. Florida State has one. A lot of ACC. UNC actually has one. So what? Sort of,
1: sort of. They probably have somebody I cast mean, and hold Yeah, it for they them. showed up in, like,
0: a yacht to the uh, yeah. regional tournament. But, um, uh most of the ACC schools do have one it's also a sport where there's a lot of smaller schools that most people have never even heard of mm-hmm. that do really well so you got places like Ramapo College i think they won a national championship one year and like Eastern Alabama probably not even that's probably not even what it's called but something like that
2: <laughs> they're just trying to put Eastern Alabama on the map uh or the lake as it were um yeah, it, it seems like a sport where, uh, and I'm and I'm guessing, does it fall under the umbrella of like uh, one of the club sports, or uh, is there a classification for it that's maybe above the club level but below the varsity classification? How does it slot in the hierarchy of the sports college sports world? It's a club sport. Um, yeah. We we operate with uh, NC State club sports. Okay, all right. And are you, I guess you're funded through that in some respects, but I'm sure you guys also get a lot of sponsorship money through some of the equipment manufacturers that you guys work with. Is that right?
0: That is correct. We do, uh, we got sponsorships from uh, local tackle companies, such as like Easy Bait and Tackle is one of them. Uh Uh, We have programs with Tackle Warehouse, which is an online website. It's basically online bass pro shops. So we got, you know, sort of sponsorships through that. They run programs for the college teams and then.
2: Other uh, local
0: companies too, like AFCO. That might not be local, but they sponsor us also.
2: And do you all have university-supplied or supplied boats, or are you guys expected to bring – is it kind of a BYOB, <laughs> bring your own boat kind of deal? Yeah, um, we have um,
0: boaters and non-boaters. So some people have boats, and they're paired up with people that don't, obviously,
2: uh-huh. to fish the tournaments. Gotcha. So it's, you, it's a lot of the equipment and supplies you're kind of bringing to the table, I guess, uh, in essence, right?
0: Yeah, it's not. It's, it's still in like early stages as a sport, as a mm-hmm. developing sport. So there's not like a whole lot of
2: funding necessarily for it.
0: So um, yeah, you're basically bringing in everything yourself.
2: Gotcha. Uh, but I mean, obviously, uh, you guys have been able to accomplish a lot uh, to this point. Uh, as we mentioned, you guys have the three national titles. The uh, I pulled it up here just a second ago. I think it's 06, 09, and 2012. So. Yep. Uh, averaging one every three years. I don't know what happened in 2015. Why where, where, where did you guys drop the ball on that one? Uh, well. <laughs> is there a controversy uh, on the waters of the uh, college bass fishing world? Well, the, uh, the lake where the uh, – well, there's
0: multiple national championships, but the lake where the – I guess you could argue the biggest one was, was a lake that a lot of people complained about. Hmm. So uh, – I guess you could say there's controversy.
2: Right, right. The <laughs> People abstained out of protests uh, for fishing on it. I mean, is it, uh, is it a regional sport? Is it, is it concentrated mostly in the southeast as far as where these teams are located? Or, I mean, are there teams up north and out west that also compete?
0: Uh, they're all over the country, actually. The, uh, the, the kid that won the individual national championship last year and got to go to the Bassmaster Classic, which is the biggest bass fishing tournament in the world, was uh, from Minnesota. Okay. So,
2: well, they got plenty of lakes up there yeah. in Minnesota.
1: Land I mean, of a thousand lakes.
2: <laughs> and that's
0: where uh, the, the championship tournament was in Wisconsin. So, right. You
2: know, home court advantage. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, how, uh, how? Let me ask you about you specifically. How did you decide to get started with it? I mean, is it something that uh, you grew up doing, fishing, and, and were always interested in? Did you figure? Is this something you had not yet tried but figured you'd give it a shot? How did you get drawn to the team and and decide to participate?
0: Well, I've been fishing since I was like three years old. I've been doing it all my life, and uh, one of the draws to go to NC State, maybe the biggest one, was to fish for this team. It's always been a dream of mine. I've always wanted to do it, so Uh I'm just thrilled to be a part of it right now.
2: That's cool. That's awesome. I, you know. I guess if uh, you had asked me, I didn't think that there might be people out there who uh, were drawn to school specifically for their bass fishing program, but uh, we have one here in the flesh. Uh,
1: that's if, awesome. If you're from Apex, does that mean it's the peak of good fishing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, all right. If you haven't turned off the podcast I'll, at this point uh, based on I'll that, always make a pun. James yeah, No, know. that's all right. I, I, you knew me. I love a good pun. Um yeah, Matt mentioned you're from Apex. Uh, so, was State on your radar already? But uh, bass fishing kind of put it over the top, or uh, w- was it uh, that you were just honed in on the, some of the top bass fishing programs?
0: Well, I've always wanted to go to State, regardless of bass fishing, because I just oh, okay. I love NC State and everything about it. I mean, <laughs> uh-huh. I've been crazy about it since I was like four years old. But them having a, a you know top of the line bass fishing program it was just like perfect. Yeah Exactly what I wanted
2: What if you had Grown up a state fan And they did not Have bass fishing Would it have been Something where you Might be swayed To a different school Somewhere else I probably would have Gone to state And then started it (laughs) There you go Ambition I like it Um so, uh, I mean, that's that's awesome that you, uh, you know, were you came along at a great time where the program was, you know, kind of getting its uh, footing and really starting to, to gain a lot of traction. And, um, you know, they're honestly one of the best programs that's out there. Um, you guys, uh, do you compete locally uh, here during, like, I guess what would be considered the regular season and then have postseason tournaments across the country or – are there major events that are held across the country during the regular season that you guys travel to? How does how does that the season work? I guess so.
0: Our regular season is it actually starts in February and it ends in November, and we fish six tournaments, one each month through the year or through the through the year where the school's in session, uh-huh. and they're club tournaments, so they're inter clubs. So we're fishing against the people in the club. So you got uh, your boaters paired up with your non-boaters, and they're fishing. NC State versus NC State, and there's a point system. There's a point system. So you get, like, 50 points for winning a tournament, 49 for second, and 48 for third. Mm -hmm. And then there's other point things, like showing up at meetings, which I've forgotten plenty of them. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, doing community service gets you points also. And uh, the top six goes to the Boat U.S. National Championship, which is one of the three national championships. But then there's um, two others also that you can qualify for. And those are not uh related to you know being school being in session i think both of them two of them are on may 21st this year which is after school but our regular season is during school and it runs from
2: february to november gotcha so uh, once you uh uh, you know get uh to where you're in that top six and you're i guess part of the, the the group that competes at these larger events um First, are, are you part of that at this point? Are you trying to play your way into that position? Maybe you need to make a few more, a few more of these meetings. I, I am not part of the top six right now. Okay. I am actually not close. <laughs> i kind of stunk it up so far, to be honest. Um, well, that that might lead me into, into one of my next questions regarding uh, how this works. Because I'll be honest, I you know I've fished a good bit in my life as well, and and it seems. And maybe this is. I had the same perception of bass fishing the way that many people do, like, say, of poker, where an outsider who hasn't played it maybe thinks, oh, it's just all luck. But you see the same guys at the final table every year, you know, at the World Series of Poker. And I'm sure you have the same guys who turn up at the same, you know, uh, year end standings, you know. Uh, How how does one fish in a way that leads to the greatest weight of fish or. I mean, is it instinct, or is it equipment, or is it both, or what is it that makes, I guess, a successful bass fisherman?
0: All right. Well, there's no luck in fishing. It all right. doesn't exist. Okay.
1: I, I mean, yeah. So, basically... I need something to blame.
0: <laughs> I blame my equipment when I lose. <laughs> so, it's all about understanding how a fish behaves, basically. So, you know, they're going to be reacting to all sorts of factors, how high the water is, what the water temperature is, what the wind speed is, you know, what the air pressure is, all these things. And you have to understand basically, you know, where they're going to be and what they're going to be doing and then what to present to them so they'll eat it mm-hmm. at that time. And it's, uh, there's it a lot, a lot that goes on.
2: What kind of uh, scouting reports do you guys get as you get ready to head out to the water? <laughs> Does, is there is there a group meeting where everybody gets together and says, uh, all right, guys, they're hitting on this or or, you know. Uh, air pressure is up today, so be sure to switch to this or that sort of thing. Uh, how much information do you guys take into a particular event uh, before you hit the waters?
0: Well, I try to know everything that I can about uh, current conditions, and you know the layout of the lake is also really important. Uh, before a club tournament, you know, people don't share a whole ton of information because they're trying to beat each other. Right, right. But before like a regional tournament, you know we're, we're going to go up to this regional tournament in May on the James River in Virginia. And we're sending six or seven teams, I think, and we'll probably share everything that we know with each other.
2: Right. Uh, And when you go to these, like the James River Tournament, um, you know, is it a cumulative team score based off of the teams that compete? Does everybody add their weight together, or is it just, uh, you know you get like you said whoever finishes first gets 50 and then 49 and 48 down the line like that way how does the team scoring go at one of these larger regional events so at the uh, at the regional
0: it's not there's one it's one tournament at the regional so mm-hmm. they
2: got like one for the southern schools
0: and uh you know the western schools and the northern schools and you know the, the teams that qualify get to go to the national championship and so it's only a one off tournament and you got a you know a, a two people we're sending seven teams so that's 14 people two per boat and they're they're not scores aren't like cumulative or anything it's just those guys qualify the guys that make it into the top i think it's 16 qualify to get to the national championship
2: gotcha gotcha so you want to try to get as many of those teams that you're sending up into that top 16 so that you can then have them advance on into the national championship round yeah so sounds
1: kind of similar to wrestling.
2: Yeah, yeah, we were we we spent the last part of, or yeah. the bulk of last month uh, trying to uh, brush up on our wrestling knowledge, uh, which I've largely forgotten, uh, unfortunately, at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of the uh, I guess some of the same, you know, maybe it's the same, you know, anytime you have a, a large sport where there's a large number of people all competing for very limited spots. Uh, you know, like when you have a basketball team or a football team, you know, you, you have a much better, um, you know, more finite number of spots and it's only one team. You're not going to send like the quarterback from your football team
1: off to compete against the other quarterbacks. That's one
0: of the, uh, the interesting things about bass fishing that's different is it's like a team sport, but it's also an individual sport. So it is kind of like wrestling in that way.
1: Right. Wrestling and golf and. Yeah. Tennis and some things like that. Yeah. So that's. That's interesting. That's interesting.
2: Uh, What are some of your personal highlights from your time here with NC State? Like biggest fish that you've caught or best moment that you've had out on the water? Um, You know, any notable highlights?
0: There's definitely one. I uh, I was at Lake Norman in a regional tournament, so it was a pretty big deal. And we were fishing, and we moved across this area into this little cove. We were fishing around docks. And as soon as we pulled up to this dock... See this UNC team making its way down the bank towards us. Mm.
2: So, so you pull out uh, the flare gun and take aim. <laughs> yeah.
0: I caught a big fish right in front of them. Nice. It was great. And uh, me and my friend were going crazy and we were yelling stuff like "Go pack!" and all this <laughs> mess. And they turned around and left. And, and then they all did bad and it was funny.
2: Yeah. And then they blamed us for yelling and screaming. I didn't realize and they realized they forgot the their
1: fish. cutting board for the cheese. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They want to have a nice picnic out on the water. Matt,
2: thank you so much for being here to interject all of the wine and cheese, and, and we haven't gotten to the tutors there, yet, but I'm sure there are
1: there uh, are there fishing poles, argyle.
2: <laughs> yeah, Alexander Julian designed all of their equipment.
1: Their their boat
2: argyle pattern boat. Uh, oh no,
1: I dropped the wine in the water to get diving <laughs>
2: after. It. Um. Yeah, it it seems incredibly fascinating because, again, you know, as someone who has fished a lot that does think that luck plays a huge role in it, you know, I like when I was a kid, I'd go out to the uh, the pier and, and fish from the pier. I mean, you'd be standing in the, between two people and on, folks on both sides of you were catching and you'd ask what you're fishing on, and it's the exact same bait and everything, and you're just like, what am I doing that's wrong? Uh, you know, I'm not, I guess, presenting the uh, – the shrimp or the the worm or whatnot in in the same fashion that's getting the job done um but you said there's no luck involved it 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 is strategic and uh there's a, a lot of uh skill involved with it so uh is and are you just bringing your innate skill to uh the team Maybe the next question is, how did you try out for the the bass fishing team? Is that something that uh, is there a tryout process?
0: There isn't. There isn't a tryout process. Now you can just join. It's uh, sixty dollars. I think it's a year. You can just join. But <laughs> You're be killing the mythology here on me, Alex. To be successful though, you, you got to be yeah, really so good. Do you get right.
1: ring? Like if they win the national championship, you can just basically pay sixty bucks and get a ring or a shirt or something. Shirt. <laughs> sure. <laughs> not because, because
0: you don't win the national championship if you're not part of the two-person team that wins the national championship. Uh,
1: so okay,
2: okay. So so hey, you're really though, killing
1: my buzz. I'm trying to give you credit here.
2: So and so even though the team claims the national title, it's really just that boat. They they are the national champions. Is is that right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you're bringing it back home to Raleigh, you know. The, and do you have a trophy case? It's like it, wrestling,
1: it's, like Gwizdowski wins. State can kind of claim it, but yeah. not really? Is it kind of like, like that? Sort of like that, I okay. guess you
0: could say. Yeah. So it's like if you win the national championship, like NC State team, this guy and this guy wins mm-hmm. the national championship.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. We still we we still claim it. I mean, gosh. I mean, I'm we're, claiming it. Yeah, and we're, we're in need of a few banners to hang these days. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <and laughs> Do, have you ever longed to see a banner hanging from the PNC arena that says uh, 2000, like just as the Bass titles, 06, 09, 2012? That would be awesome. That I'm would be all great. For that. I I, th- I think it would be worthy of inclusion into the uh, collection of banners that we we hoist in uh, in PNC. Maybe just have a big bass on it, uh, and then have the the name of the or the years that you guys won those titles. Um, are, are you uh, are you? How's the team camaraderie? I mean, I'm sure everybody's kind of pulling ultimately for the same goal to put as many guys into those national championship events. Um, are you able to lean on some of the other guys and say guys you know my my fish weight is not up where it needs to be well, what do i need to do at this point uh, are there any pointers that you can give me um you know what what kind of uh, team chemistry is there and how much do you guys work together in trying to improve as a unit
0: well uh, all, all the guys you know go, they all go fishing with each other all the time so it's pretty mm-hmm. much open pretty much like you know, if I caught them like this, this is what I'm doing, and this is how it's working, and, and it goes around.
2: Yeah, and I'm, then I guess just over the, over time and experience, you kind of learn, you know, based on certain conditions, what, yeah. what works and you that know, sort of thing.
0: my first couple of years of tournament fishing, before I was in college, I fished. I didn't have a boat. I fished off the back of someone else's boat, and I learned more in those two years than I probably learned my whole life just fishing behind somebody who was really good and knew what they were doing.
2: right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 almost like an apprenticeship at that point. You're, you know, just picking up what you can learning it as you go. So, uh do you someday see yourself hoisting the the, the trophy as uh the the bass fishing uh <laughs> the next NC state we're due for one at this point. Uh you know, we're already Is one his year banner behind. hung
1: up there right next to David Thompson. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh where where do you see it? this is the standard uh question you get in every year uh evaluation at work where do you see yourself in 5 years uh <laughs> at, at NC state in, in your bass fishing uh, well, experience kind of hoping i'm not at NC state in 5 years we need to revise that wait, timeline wait he
1: doesn't want to be the next mike man
2: <laughs> that's right congrats mike man on your nuptials by the way um yeah, I mean, do you do you uh, are you? That, I mean, sure, that's what everybody's going for, right? They want to be the the, the next uh, NC State national champion, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my my life goals are all about fishing. So if I could win a college national championship, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. The best thing about winning a college national championship is that at the end of the tournament, the end of the team part of the tournament, they separate the top four teams into individuals, and they have like a, a elite eight sort of bracket thing. Hmm. And then the winner of that bracket gets to go to the bassmaster classic, which is like i said it 's the biggest bass fishing tournament in the world it's If you win that you know you 're set for life pretty much so that 's a pretty unique experience and i 'd love to have some chance to do that because my goal eventually is to win that tournament
2: right so uh, in the world of professional bass fishing um, what uh, what's you, you said set for life um, and i 'm thinking you know. Uh, i'm trying to imagine what what sorts of uh uh professional bass fishing opportunities there are um i mean i grew up as a kid watching espn and i'd see kurt gowdy or whoever that was out on the water you know uh fishing on saturday mornings or whatnot uh is that uh is that the 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 world that you're trying to enter into professional bass fishing and you know what sort of uh you know economic windfalls come with being a professional bass fisher
0: it really is, yeah. It's um, it's a sport that's uh, it's very hard to you know have success without like like financially success, like be able to live off of it uh-huh. at the lower levels. But once you like, you have to be the best of the best. But once you are the best of the best, you know, you get all sponsorship, you're all over TV, you make a ton of money, so it it works out.
1: What? Who's that guy that wears the Tennessee hat? will dance. Yes, those we'll videos dance. are hilarious. Is right. that
0: the dude that yells those? every time
1: he catches a fish?
0: That's, that's Mike Canelli. He's a he's a lunatic. He's <laughs> a crazy.
1: Dude. The, the Tennessee guy is the one that he's always like like yeah, he'll start doing. the motor on accident and fall in the water and, and see, Those
0: are those are those are fake, but that kind of stuff actually happens to me in real
2: life. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think what you need to do is 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 have those things happen on
1: camera so yeah, that you, you can, can get yeah you can make a career of I it mean.
2: yeah you can be the like vi- the, uh,
1: <laughs> like the, the vans kid all it takes is one video the white vans they, like I mean, oh. Daniel yeah yeah got, like, I all do, you need is something weird like that yeah
0: I do I do get them on camera but the problem is I can't share them because there's all sorts of four-letter words coming out of my mouth when <laughs> it happens
1: hey man uh, just just put the explicit filter on and yeah, you're good. yeah
2: just get you a good editor to bleep out all your uh, <laughs> make
1: it say uh, what Bojangles right James yeah yeah that's right that's what I I do.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it. it um, gosh, I, had, uh, I was going to say the, the. You said Mike. What's his name? The the yelling dude. Iconelli. Iconelli. He he got famous because he yelled a lot. I mean, so you need like a gimmick or something where like you you know spike the fish or something. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mean, know about mine. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, yeah, Peter might be all over you on that one. But, that's uh,
0: that's a much bigger part of professional fishing than people really know is it's marketing it's like 80 percent marketing and 20 percent you know being good at fishing right there's a guy named jared swindle who's uh he's good at fishing he doesn't won a whole lot but he's a comedian he's hilarious yeah so you know everybody wants to see him Everybody wants to see him talk and he gets sponsorship deals and he's sponsored by toyota and, and all this stuff and you know he's got a, he's great
2: yeah well my favorite golfer is not that good at golf but uh Boo Weekly is my favorite golfer and I I love him just because he is a complete country bumpkin that's out there and just so happens to be pretty good at golf. Uh and, uh, yeah, I, I love hearing him talk and, and I could listen to that dude. If I had a product, I would get Boo Weekly to sponsor it. Uh, and people would be like, why are you getting Boo Weekly to sponsor your product? It's like, I, I just like listening to the dude talk. He's hilarious. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you can find an angle, uh, no pun intended, uh, as, but if you can, uh, if you can find an angle, uh, you know, maybe, I tell you what, my, my kids, they, are celebrities. Like we grew up with celebrities being people who were on television. Yeah, their celebrities are YouTube like channels. Like that
1: Vine kid from Charlotte. Uh,
2: oh, well, I can't remember his name. they're Nash, not even Nash, Nash
1: Greer or something like that. Like those uh, kinds of things. Well, they, they
2: like people who do like gaming videos. Like oh, yeah. they're, they're oh. the, like. Stampy Long Nose and, and what uh, yeah yeah I mean who's that PewDiePie or P- PewDiePie Pie. Yeah, PewDiePie I don't know who these people are yeah. I've
1: seen that one but that's about all I got
2: I mean it, it, the, the, world, the, the nature of celebrityism <laughs> if that's a word uh, is oh, yeah. shifting it's greatly It's
1: cheapened as I like to say yeah,
2: well I, I, it's cheapened but it's changing uh, and and honestly if you can uh, maybe you can do a series of YouTube videos on bass fishing and, and you could be the guy that uh, revolutionizes <laughs> the uh, bass fishing YouTube universe there's and, actually
0: a uh, huge amount of people that have a uh, bass fishing youtube channel <laughs> i do have one and i'm pretty famous
2: i have nine subscribers there you go it's nine more than i've got yeah <laughs> um yeah grow, grow your brand that way because that seems to be uh you know kids kid my kids if there are any indication to the rest of uh the youth of today that all of their cel- c- c- uh, celebrities are going to be uh you know measured by how many YouTube subscribers they have and what kind of videos they 'd put out there on the internet they they all want to have their own youtube channel i 'm like i as a parent i 'm not comfortable with it uh yeah. maybe when you get older but um, uh honestly, if we 'd started the show and then we 'd uh wound up on youtube videos <laughs> I couldn 't have wagered any amount of money to have landed here, but uh, we have so uh, well, Alec, as we mentioned, you also write for uh, Backing the Pack. So uh, let's take a break here on the podcast. and We'll come back and we'll have you weigh in with us on some other uh, non-bass fishing uh, topics here on the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. At Amedeo's, the atmosphere is just as important as the great food. I'm quite the football fan, and coming to Amedeo's, I'm amazed of... The amount of pictures here of past football players that attended NC State that are normally now have been in the NFL or are presently in the NFL makes me want to look at every single picture to see if I can recognize somebody or something from years gone by. Just a
0: great place uh, with all the NC State history. I mean, you got the banners from Reynolds, all the uh, pictures from every era of NC State Athletics, football, basketball, just tremendous history represented in the place.
2: Medios. Great food and great atmosphere. Alright folks, welcome back to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Uh, Alex is hanging out with us here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other things that are going on still in the world of Wolfpack sports. Um, I guess the uh, the big news uh, as far as um, (laughs) their their semi-revenue, I guess, the baseball as a sport uh, they, they bring in some money I don't know if they They are a break even sport Or not But uh, They uh, Nevertheless uh, They're doing well And having a great season And in fact You guys over Backing the pack I don't know if it was you Or Steven uh, Wrote a piece about how uh, State baseball Is really starting to hit Its stride nowadays Maybe it was Steven <laughs> um, And uh, It seems to be the case They really seem to be Doing well They uh, Took two games Against Georgia Tech Over the weekend And um, And Georgia Tech was no slouch. I think they were also ranked in the top 20. Um, So to win the first two games of that series, uh, you know, was pretty strong. And, um, you know, they they had a rough game against Tech uh, in the third game of that series. I think uh, Georgia Tech put a 16 spot on us or something, if I remember correctly. But, um, you know, nevertheless, you take two games on the road against a, a top 20 team in baseball, that's pretty solid and uh now the uh we're reaching that part of the schedule where things just uh become a murderer's row uh because we've got um mm-hmm. well i should say we've got um east carolina uh which is always uh a you know solid opponent uh, i mean east carolina always seems to have a pretty it's solid their world
1: it? series <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
2: Uh, that, uh, a comparison makes the most sense in the world of baseball, uh, than any other sport that it, uh, clumsily gets applied to. Um, but we face them, uh, tomorrow or today if you're reading, uh, listening to this on Tuesday, uh, down in Greenville. Uh, if we could take that game, that'd be big, obviously, because of the in state factor there. Uh, and then this weekend we have a out of conference series against, uh, NCA&T at the Doke uh and then another game against East Carolina on monday, so we we managed to bookend uh, a series against a and t with uh, East Carolina games on Tuesday and then Monday of the following week, which is somewhat interesting um, then you got du- uh Duke uh, at the end of April uh, and then the May calendar looks pretty uh rough you've got Clemson uh, who's had a pretty solid season this year, not as great as they have. And yeah, some of them refl-
1: like a powerhouse. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, uh, but they started the year off pretty rough, I think, and have started to uh, gain a little bit of traction. Uh, and then you got Louisville and Carolina to close out the year. So um, it's going to be, uh, you know, tough sledding, uh, I think, for State uh, the rest of the way. But you know, RPI wise, I think State's in the top ten. I think they may be as high as six, is what something I saw uh, today. And uh, so there, you know, whereas at one point in the season it looked like we might be struggling to host a regional, um, you know, it looks like we might be back in play for that. If we can, you know, sweep these two games against ECU and the series against A&T, you know, maybe take the series against Duke as well. That's going to be at home. Um, You know, you've got you've put yourself in a pretty good position. Uh, you know, facing off against admittedly tough opponents, but you know you've you've done the things that you need to do as a program to uh, put yourself in contention for hosting a regional, and you know that being able to host a regional is is just huge on so many levels. Obviously, because it means not only do you have home advantage during the series, but you know it just looks good for you as a program if you're able to bring and. and if if someone asked me what the uh, the baseball NCAA baseball recruiting calendar looks like, I had no idea. I don't know if you can bring prospects in during uh, a regionals or not. Um, I
1: think it's over by then. Okay, all right. I think I remember seeing that somewhere.
2: Yeah, and and I again admittedly don't know. But they can still uh, come the to the
1: game on their own dime. So true. You know, it's still true. You, so.
2: Yeah, if if they're local prospects and are
1: interested in in seeing tickets a regionals tickets are like five bucks or ten bucks. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it's not too much to be able to you know encourage some uh, at least prospects that are within driving range to drive on down and and see the crowd at the doke for these regionals and uh, anytime I've been able to go to a regional that state has hosted the crowds are always great there for that and um, you know it's uh, it just makes it that much easier for you to advance into the super regional round and then uh, hopefully on into uh, the wonderful world of Omaha. For the College World Series. Um, you know, and it would be great, obviously, uh, you know, we talked about uh, with John Manuel when he was on a few weeks ago about how long Elliot's been here at the program and what he's been able to build here at NC State um you know uh, he got to he got state to omaha for the first time since i think 63 or something like that um if we can get back to omaha on a far more regular consistent schedule than once every 50 years uh you know that would be ideal uh so uh, obviously you gotta you know you gotta put one foot in front of the other and, and take care of business but uh you know, things seem to be shaping up pretty well for the the team at this point. They seem to be finding some of that offense that we were looking for earlier in the year. And uh, you know, um, you know, I guess the concerns are, I, I think, uh, as we were discussing before the show started, uh, there were some injury concerns. Uh, some guys maybe might be uh, fighting through some injuries.
1: I, I just looked at a quick update. I looked mm-hmm. through some places. It sounds like Josh McClain um, you get X-rays today. So, I, obviously, it's near the end of the day, so maybe we'll hear something soon. Right. And then they said that, well, Gilbert's injury looked like it may not be as serious as maybe they thought. Okay. Well, that's so good. That's the only update I've been able to find.
2: Gotcha. So, if we can keep everybody healthy and keep the bats yeah. reasonably warm, uh, it seems like the pitching's strong enough to, you know, get mm-hmm. uh, the team pretty far down the road. Winning that series against Georgia Tech on the road was was a big deal. Um you know, they dropped a t- they dropped a 23 spot on Elon. Uh, I wasn't following the game, but I, all I saw was Steven's tweet uh, that said, sorry about that, Elon. And I was like, oh, that's either really good for us or really bad. Uh, and uh, it turned out that we won. more runs them. than the uh,
0: points the football team scored three times. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh. Elliot Avit,
1: offensive coordinator. <laughs> you yeah, got Bring
2: him in. He'd have the football team bunt every,
1: uh, <laughs> second down. they would run a draw. It'd be like <laughs> Chuck Amato all over again. Uh, I, I'm, Actually not, post-Rivers Chuck Amato. Honestly.
2: I'm, I'm gonna stay out of the do you bunt, do you not bunt debate because I, I, I'm, I don't know enough to, uh, to, to argue one way or the other. Uh, I
1: still, that still reminds me of when, I think Steven made a joke. I was like, Somebody tweeted "Happy birthday, Elliot Avent," and he said something like, "I hope I bet he gets a bunt cake for his, uh, for his birthday." <laughs>
2: um, yeah, there's not too many uh, things in this world that come with a prefix of "bunt," but, but uh, <laughs> you know, cake is one of them, and uh, um, so that's pretty solid. Uh, so obviously, we are we're wishing the team well uh, today. If you're listening to this on Tuesday against East Carolina, again, that's down in Greenville, but you can hear it on uh, WKNC 88.1. <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, Some other news and notes. Um, Alec, you mentioned that you were one of the guys who kind of followed NC State basketball recruiting, and obviously Matt's one of those guys as well. You've done some pieces for backing the pack. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the the big concerns for State, uh, you know, well, actually, I guess we should say uh, Monday while we were recording the show, or was it uh, late Monday or early Tuesday was the news that we found out that Bobby Lutz is going to – uh, yeah. No longer being an assistant coach here on the, uh, the it was team. Right
1: around, yeah, it was right at that yeah, time. I don't, I don't
2: think we got a chance to mention that. So let's start there. Um, maybe it's, it's old news at this point given the light speed that things uh, take place. Um, but what was y'all's initial reaction when you heard that Bobby was no longer going to be an assistant coach and had been transitioned into a, a different role within the athletic department?
0: Well, I first the first thing I saw was when he was going to Georgia Tech. Yeah, which that really confused me because this didn't make a whole ton of sense to me.
2: Yeah, it didn't seem. I, well, I'll back up and say him leaving for a similar position at Georgia Tech if he needed a change of scenery makes a little bit more sense than what has happened. Uh, just because it, it. I'm still. I still have a lot of questions. But but anyway, yeah. go ahead. Um, I mean, it, it seemed like it looked like that was all but done. Uh,
1: I, I think it was one of those that. It would have made sense for both parties. I have no idea why it went through. Um, I mean, I love Bobby. He, I have no issues with him. But I think, and this is just conjecture, but I think states kind of come to the realization that, you know, maybe coaching, I don't want to say coaching isn't their strong point, but that coaching isn't going to be the differentiator in this league with. You know, guys like Roy and Patino and Kay and Mike Bray and a bunch of guys Mm -hmm. like that. And I think they're looking at recruiting. And Bobby's not a recruiter. I I think he went out and scouted a little bit. But he's Moxley and early were the guys they're sending out. Now Moxley's gone to bring in Pierre, who's arguably maybe even a stronger recruiter than Moxley was, was just saying something. I think they may just be going all out and, hey, we need recruiters. I mean, Joe Dooley is obviously a good coach, and that's one of the names that they've been looking at. I mean, if you can lure a head coach from a good mid-major program, that's huge. Yeah. Um, And whereas Josh Pastner never had a former head coach on his staff, and apparently Bobby Lutz, maybe he's a golfer. Maybe that's why he didn't (laughs) end (laughs) up since Pastner said he won't hire a golfer, which – um, I get his, it's one of those, I get your overall yeah, point, yeah. but dude, you sound like an idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Sidney Lowe, I can tell you for a fact, I know the days he was golfing and there was a lot. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily want to run into that problem. Um, but yeah. I, I think, I think that was kind of the point where Georgia Tech was like, Hey, you know, we're bringing you in, but you've got to get somebody who's like coached before. Um, <laughs> right. And, you know, Lutz obviously did a great job at. Charlotte, and that was people still go on to this day about you know how that yeah. kind of ruined Charlotte's program, getting rid of him. So
2: yeah, well, I mean, but then again, you look at um, you know with uh, you know lots of different programs. I, I think um, and, you know I, I've maintained this for a while that uh, you know it, at some point when you realize that you have reached a particular coach's ceiling, uh, or a pretty good approximation of what that ceiling is. Um, after about 10 years or so, um, there's there's not a whole lot that you can, you know, uh, rescue from a, uh, yeah. you know, like let's say Pastner at Memphis had had just a, you know, a, a bonsai a year. You know, maybe he sticks around at Memphis a little bit longer. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, uh, fans and people who support a particular program just – they need a scenery change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same thing for coaches. I think sometimes coaches just get to a point where it's just like, you know what, I, I just, you know, if, if we're 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 doing the same thing over and over and over again, uh, and you guys are are, you know, catching. Uh, you, you guys aren't happy with me. I'm not too particularly pleased with, uh, you know, what I've been able to accomplish here. So yeah. sometimes, and I guess that's why I, I say that to say, you know, if if Bobby had been here for a while and he just felt like he wasn't. Able to push us over the hump yeah. and wanted to try to do something at like that at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. That made more sense to me than him transitioning out of the role of to an the assistant Dwight coach Schrute level, <laughs> right? Assistant to, to the regional uh, manager. Uh, assistant to the uh, uh, deputy, deputy director, assistant director. Yeah, yeah um, That to me is the part that is just a real head scratcher. Like I, I don't know how you take coaching out of a guy's acumen when he is a coach, you know, yeah. he's uh, not a
1: facilitator or anything. Right.
2: So. Like when, when wit transitioned out of coaching into the role that he has within the well, athletic department, sense. that made a little bit more sense because he, he wasn't, I guess, a true assistant coach. He was more like someone who was almost like, um like a, like a, a, like a director of basketball operations it, mm-hmm. type role. Maybe like
1: a buddy almost.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. Like play uh, when he in charge of player development or, yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Um, you know, it was a it was a role that was closely tied to the coaching staff, but he wasn't actually like an assistant coach. I mean, this you're talking about taking your top assistant, arguably. I think uh, maybe not arguably. I think most people assumed that he was the number two in command, and then taking him completely out of the coaching equation. Uh, it's, it's it's frankly it's a little bit baffling. Um, I, I don't I, know. I think
1: they had kind of been pot committed on getting Dooley or somebody yeah and now they're like, Well, we're not going to fire you because we don't really have any reason to fire you, but we'll still put you on the payroll and then try to get somebody but it's it's still weird, like there's not a whole lot of sense I can make without knowing what they're doing,
2: yeah, well, I mean, let me ask you guys this since we're we're broaching the topic of money, does it seem like a a pretty large financial gamble to uh, and I don't know the specifics of this transition. But, I mean, it seems to me that Lutz probably wouldn't have made this move if he couldn't have been paid at the same level that he was before, right? We wouldn't have terminated or changed his contract, most likely. Mm-hmm. We would have just changed his title. So you're paying Lutz at the level that he was. You're now trying to outbid mid-major programs' head coaching levels to yeah. get another guy in, uh, if you're talking about Dooley from Florida Gulf mm-hmm. Coast. Um That's a that's a price tag that's starting to to creep up pretty high. It's it's a it's a big financial gamble,
1: no doubt. I I think Maryland fans probably have kind of a a grin on their face because they you know, Mm. and I'm not saying Debbie's wrong or right for this. I have no idea. I don't get to look at the books that state keeps, but you know, they kept saying, "Well, she you know she bankrupted our program," and everyone's trying to say, "No, it's Kevin Anderson." I think that's his name. I think they're probably kind of smirking a little bit if they if they hear about it. Because right. um, it is – I mean it is a gamble. I mean you – now you're paying Lutz because I don't think you can just – I don't think they're just going to drop his salary just to do it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But now you're doing that and you're paying somebody else. Now I don't know if Lutz would have gotten paid the same at Georgia Tech because they're still paying Paul Hewitt and Brian Gregory. Right, um, and <laughs> and now you're paying Josh Pastner like 1.8 million or something like that, which so, is
2: nuts. Yeah, it's,
1: it, I I don't know where the money would have come from. I think maybe it was a state said, hey, you know, we're not going to try to match any offer you make for this coach, and he knows about it. So you know, maybe it was a like a gentle nudge out the door, and that's why it would have. Yeah, that's the only thing I can really make of it
2: there's a lot of moving parts to this that I'm not entirely clear on at this point um and uh you know I'm sure all will be re- be revealed in in due time but um you know it's uh it's 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 a uh puzzling move to to say the least and I would have thought that with Lutz transitioning into the role that he did I would have thought that we would have very quickly seen Dooley installed as the you know new assistant and the fact that that hasn't happened yet Almost gives me pause to wonder, you know, did we make mm-hmm. one move with the assurance that yeah. that something would happen? would be that, the
1: first time we did <laughs> something then, like that.
2: And then something didn't happen, and then now we're like, okay, suddenly we have a vacancy that we didn't plan on. Um, I don't know. There, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of machinations that are working on behind this, the scenes that uh, that mm-hmm. I'm not privy to. Uh, Alec D, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Lutz transitioning out of his role as assistant coach.
0: Well, I'm honestly just as confused. By what happened Is uh, is you are I'm not Was this position That he has Even a position Before he was No they created it They created it So I'm not I'm not really sure As to what's going on either It's kind of confusing Going back to the uh, The money thing I think there's uh, An inherent risk In you know Financially In hiring any coach Ever Making changes But I do like Seeing changes being made Because I feel like We've seen A ceiling Like you said Right Hit by the program And um It's not It's not like They haven't done well But Looking at the whole year For the last four years They haven't been a great team And they haven't necessarily Improved a lot either And then this year Obviously it was a mess For other reasons too But I would like to see Changes being made
2: Yeah I just uh, There's a part of me That worries that If we're putting All of our basketball eggs Into the recruiting basket You know I would hate for us To turn into the uh, LSU of (laughs) UNLV Right That's
1: one of my favorite They get a like Top 10 class Same kind of thing
2: Yeah I mean You know, you want want to get, obviously, the top talent, but you also want to make sure that uh, the guys that you have on staff can't just or aren't limited to just getting the talent here, that they can actually put them in a position to win, can scout properly. And, you know, my understanding that one of Lutz's primary roles, uh, since he wasn't a recruiter, was, you know, defensive scouting for teams heading into games. Um, You know, I I don't know. Uh, We weren't particularly great on defense as it was, so maybe that... Uh, played somewhat of a role. <laughs> uh, you uh, you had one be, job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, uh, you know, what do you gain? What do you lose? If if, if we're not going to be appreciably uh, worse in, on defense or than we already were, then maybe you tried to bring in somebody who's a, a top-notch recruiter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it, it'll a be big inter- man
1: coach or something. Yeah, it, it'll be a interesting. Man. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll just take one of those
2: actually. Uh it'll be interesting to see how uh things play out here in in the uh in the coming months. But uh obviously we are uh still in the hunt for uh, some guys to replace some of our uh, roster holes, um, you know, notably the uh, loss of the the Martin twins. One of the destinations I saw that they might land up is East ECU, Carolina, which yeah,
1: is ECU, large? Cal, Providence. It was like a, it was just a really random. I think Butler or somebody. There was, it was like a random yeah. list.
0: I, I get the feeling that it's all about playing time where they're going.
1: Yeah, I don't think they care about much else. Yeah, I mean they're competitors. You can see them. They're definitely competitors, but. Well, if they went to ECU,
2: I mean, obviously they would be immediate assets there. um, They would probably be assets just about anywhere that they went if there was uh, an opening for a couple of wing uh, players. So, uh, you know, we wish them well, um, but uh, obviously that's uh, roster vacancies that need to be filled. And and one of the guys that we've uh, seen that we're going after is Savon Goodman, I think, is a Mm -hmm. guy from – ASU, Arizona State, which uh, stayed in Arizona State ever since the uh, Hertzog departure. There's a a weird kind of overlapping uh, as that's uh, been going along. So.
1: And he started at UNOV. Okay. He's from Philadelphia. Started at UNOV. He got kicked. I think he got kicked off or suspended at UNOV. Oh, that's lovely. And then Arizona State got suspended a couple times. (laughs) Um, I mean, he's not. An auto model citizen. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, but he's a basketball player and uh-huh. at this point they can't be too picky <laughs> some of those. um yeah. and he destroyed us against in the uh, tournament in new york
2: yeah didn't he have something like 18 17 double double
1: or something. Double or so. it was like his best game of the season he was the yeah. whatever whatever joe julio dean whatever that award oh was. yeah
2: the hero of the day
1: yeah yeah it, that was pretty much it i mean he's a good player but that was easily his best statistical game and he's like a 6-6 not even even a bulky guy like a rico gathers or somebody he's just a Smart rebounder and he's strong. Yeah. He's like Dennis Rodman in that sense. It's like, right. you know, he just kind of has a weird sense where the ball's going to be. And he can't, I mean, he can't really. I think he made threes against us, but he can't shoot threes. So that makes Everybody sense. Everybody made threes yeah. against us. So <laughs> <laughs> we will make he you better. He can't really shoot free throws, so he'll fit right in. <laughs> hmm, <nice>. um, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's down to state and the Sal, or at least those are the two options that John Rothstein mentioned. Yeah,
0: he's an effort guy too. He plays hard. That's yeah. one of the the main things people talk about with his game, because mm-hmm. he's a little undersized, like you said, but he's a, he's an effort guy.
1: And well, you know, and some of those. Yeah, yeah, especially that, with the Martins gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah,
2: you're you're repla- you would be replacing your two effort guys with an effort guy, and and that can sometimes be infectious. You definitely want. Uh, you know, that same sort of uh, mentality to be spread as much as possible. What Kyle Washington brought to the team when he was here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh and Des Wells too. Um Des Lee. Lee, yes. Sorry. Wells, Des Wells, <laughs> Wells is
1: from Raleigh, so that's understandable. Uh, that's, that's
2: right. Uh and he played at Maryland, is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Right.
1: Xavier in Maryland.
2: Yeah. Uh, who else do you guys see on the radars potential, uh, basketball gets, uh, are we just looking at graduate transfers or are there some other traditional transfers that we might also be targeting?
0: There's a two in one. Yeah. There's others. There's a shooting guard, uh, a freshman this year at Arkansas named Jimmy Witt. Uh-huh. He's a tall guard. He's a scorer. He was a combo guard. I think i out of high school, a four star player in the top 60.
1: He went to high school with one of the state's uh, football recruits. That's an early enrollee, Rice Banks from Missouri.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, he he had a good start to the year, kind of kind of uh, tapered off a little bit. I think he had double figures in four of his first five games or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So uh, that's the guy we're looking at down the road to fill in the uh, the backcourt holes that we'll have after next year and into the future. And he kind of
1: yeah. he kind of makes sense. I looked I looked at a little bit of his tape. And Gottfried likes guys that can create his own shot, like a Lacey or something. And he kinda reminded me of that a little bit. He likes mm-hmm. a, he doesn't really need a lot of screens from what I've seen. He's able to kinda get two dribbles and create a shot. Um so he he could maybe you know that could really be a fit for yeah. You know, whether or not you like that style or not. I mean that's you gotta find players that fit what you're coaching to and yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Who who else?
0: Well the biggest name probably that's out there is Omer Yurtseven from uh, Turkey. Right. right. There's all sorts of questions about this one. He's um international player obviously wants to play college basketball. Uh Godfried's been over there to visit him. He's he's a uh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a five-star player I think and like I think mm-hmm. he's universally five stars. But uh the problem is he was paid by where he um Played no, like, club ball. Right. The and club last team. year they recruited this uh, the, the Greek center, Georgios Papagianis. That's how you say that. Uh, he was paid too, but he had a clause in his contract, I believe, that let him come to the states and play college basketball if he wanted to. Yurt7 doesn't have that. Okay. Now he claims that he that he never took any money yeah, out of the account. Yeah. They just put
1: it in his account yeah. or something. So
0: it's it's just gonna it's gonna depend on what. what <laughs> He's probably gonna be, to be.
1: Enos Kanter yeah. is probably what's gonna yeah,
0: happen. I don't. I, I'm not a... <laughs> <laughs> not one to believe he's going to end up being eligible, but I don't. Know. Right. Honestly, don't know, but that's the uh, that would be the dream scenario is to get, get the seven foot center like that.
2: Yeah. No. I, I, and we're certainly not the only program that's on him. I think what Kentucky and all the big hitters if are he, as well. If Kansas he becomes
0: eligible,
1: they're if, all going to. Yeah. Up. If they. Yeah. If the, if the if the the thing is, we don't know if the NCAA is just going to like. Deem him eligible if they're going to wait till he gets on campus And then review his case Because uh, then uh, it's like, oh cool, we got this great player And you keep banking on him all year And he sits on the bench
2: Yeah, um, But so, that's a gamble that we can afford to oh, take Oh yeah. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't
1: pass on We're not at the level where we can pass on that Yeah,
2: um, yeah. so yeah Maybe in one of the other programs uh, Can't afford a scholarship Because they've got six other five-star kids That are waiting to uh, show up on campus uh, Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like a guy That would be a, a big help for us so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see. This, I, this might be one of the more interesting off seasons for basketball in a while. Yeah, um,
1: this, it's gonna be like we're rowing joined in August. So there'll probably be somebody that does that. Yeah. Um, and then you and we were talking about it a little bit before, but you have Keanu Pender and uh, Ben Carter, two other guys yeah. in the front court too. And you so. know, Pender's committed to like. He committed New to like Nebraska out of high school. Then committed to New Mexico. Now he's committed to Nevada. And now he's <laughs> visiting. He likes Wolfpack, so we got that. And his dad, <laughs> his dad played at State in the eighties. Tiny Pinder. Oh, okay. He was friends with Tony Warren. I think he's had some major uh, uh, legal issues in Australia. He's sitting in. <laughs> yeah, so I, hopefully his son doesn't follow in the footsteps there. But he. Uh, I'm
2: just, I'm just shaking my head that it seems like our major options at this point are a guy that has his dad uh, had has several transfers. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, you
1: can't d- blame the son for the sins of his father. I, right. I'm,
2: I'm told you you shouldn't judge your kids by the parents and vice versa, but uh, you know, yeah,
1: it's sometimes
2: it gets a little bit tough not to.
1: But he can um, shoot free throws above 60 percent. So hey, we'll take him at this point. Yeah. Just. Um. Yeah. Um
2: so again it could be a very uh, a very interesting uh, off season for NC State basketball. Um let's see anything else that was on our radar. Uh, I think uh Pat Popolicio was named uh Flow wrestling's coach national coach of the year. Uh mm-hmm. congrats to him, the skip uh for a well-deserved honor for what he was able to do with, with NC State uh Wrestling and then I think the uh, the golf team had a guy shoot a 62. 62
1: and they distro- they destroyed the team and that was at Lonnie Pool from the back tees. That is <laughs> impressive. <laughs> that course is hard. Yeah, um, if
2: you're if you're a, a big donor, you, I'm sure you're impressed by that. Uh, <laughs> I, Lonnie Pool's a course that I probably will never get a chance to. Oh, you can a photo pay like on,
1: 35 bucks yeah. and go out there. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. Trust me, I'm not that. a big donor. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Uh so um I just
1: walk up and say I know James Curl and I get to go play for yeah, free so. Yeah. And
2: um, then I, I walk up and say I am James Curl and I say get the hell off on course. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh but anyway, um so keep your your ears open for other uh Wolfpack news and notes. We mentioned the cheerleading national title last week, but again, mm-hmm. congrats to them and uh
1: I think Sean Reich got his 500th softball win. Nice. So nice. I am so, just trying to Rack my brain
2: again, another solid year a solid spring for uh for NC state athletics um
1: Alec, thank you so much
2: for being able to join us this week. I appreciate it uh, It was fun talking some bass pack with you there in the first segment
1: uh oh and, and real uh, quick, the women's yeah. tennis team I think had their highest regular season finish ever too oh okay, great so just throwing that
2: in yeah the- well, hey that you know we've talked about some things that uh you know don't necessarily like uh cheerleading and and the bass pack that may not count towards the director cup standings, but uh you know uh tennis is definitely one of the ones that does, mm-hmm. uh, so that 'll definitely help and uh, and it 'll be interesting to uh, maybe we can have uh, Debbie come back on the show uh, once the year's all said and done and, mm-hmm. and talk about. Uh, what looks to be a pretty solid Director's Cup finish this year uh, Alec again thank you so much for joining us This week good luck to you as you pursue uh, You know uh, Your goal of getting onto the waters With the, in the NC State the, the bass pack and, and making I hope we see you Someday hoisting uh, two very Large fish <laughs> That uh, I will never catch In my life because uh, I have no Idea where to fish for them but uh but again, uh, best of luck to you, and and again, read his stuff over at Backing the Pack because it's good stuff. Um, and Matt, uh, again, thank you for your work mm-hmm. with us as always. Uh, you know, uh, again, um, head to uh, marchforbabiesorg Curl if you would like to uh, donate there. Uh, the walk is the 30th, and um, I reckon that will do it. So uh, for Alec, for Matt, this is James saying so long here on the Riddick and Reynolds podcast.
1: baby.